It's a beautiful day in this neighborhood. And now, this is the Neighborhood Podcast with New Age Insider's Chief of Staff, DC Matthews. Welcome to the Neighborhood Podcast. My name is DC Matthews at DC Matthews NAI, and I am the Chief of Staff of the New Age Insiders, the premier place for wrestling fans to connect, discuss, and to be heard. In case you've been standing next to a mountain and recently have been chopped down by the edge of a hand, the New Age Insiders are Bill, Real American Neville, at Bill Neville NAI, Liam Hollywood Striker, at Liam NAI, and Jason Thunderlips Maltov at New Age Insiders. We have a website, NewAgeInsiders.com, and there you can find the wrestling news of the day from ace reporter Brandon McIntyre at Brandon Mac NAI, along with the NAI team, especially our newest reporter, the Rebel Dentist herself, Shannon Scott at Rebel Dentist NAI. Shannon has posted her first official column for the neighborhood, and it's a doozy all about body shaming in professional wrestling. I encourage you all to take a few minutes away from the serious discussion of race in wrestling and relax with some serious discussion about the perception of body size in wrestling. It has been a very serious few days, and since the New Age Insiders had a special Saturday podcast yesterday, as well as being so incredibly gracious to let me join in on the conversation, I'd like to spend this podcast... Episode 7 of The Neighborhood, by the way. Focusing on things a little less intense than what's happening with one Terry Bollea. This will be a shorter podcast, since you all should really be listening to the NAI Hogan special. But in case, like me, you're in need of some positivity, I'll try to promote that for you. Although, looking at the list of topics in front of me, I'm not sure how optimistic this show will be. Right off the bat, I hate to tell you, friends, but Heal DC needs to have a few minutes of your time because not one person, not one single solitary person completed last week's homework assignment. I asked for somebody, anybody, to come to the defense of Lucha Underground, a promotion that I haven't been able to find the envy or interest to watch, and nobody took out their persuasive pen to try to convince me to be a fan. Now that means one of three things. Number one, nobody listened to said part of the podcast, or, quite frankly, any part of the podcast. Number two, everyone assumed that somebody else would do the homework. You know how it is when you work in a group and everyone goes, oh, that person will do it, oh, that person will do it, and then nothing gets done. Or, number three... There's not enough neighborhood members watching Lucha Underground regularly, so you all understand where I'm coming from. Regardless of the reason, and truth be told, I'm pretty sure it's number one, I'm disappointed in you, neighborhood. Shame! This means that on top of this week's homework assignment, you're still going to have to complete last week's as well. I'm sorry if you find it unfair, but I work hard to compile these assignments, and I choose them because I feel they will be educational and enriching for your lives. I'm not just doing this for me. Help me help you do your homework. All right, 
Last week, I asked the neighborhood if they had any topics they wanted to hear discussed on this week's podcast, and as usual, only one person answered. Well, actually, at the last minute, friend and NAI UK member, the Lord Jalapeno, who I should point out is quite behind on his neighborhood tournament brackets over there on NewAgeInsiders.com, asked me to talk about the potential for an NAI EFED. We've talked about it a little bit in previous shows. There seems to be at least some modicum of interest. But sadly, my friend, and apparently the Intercontinental Champion, I'm not focusing on any new projects until this blasted NAI draft is done. Bracket B is done. Bracket C is finished. But bracket A, bracket A, that's the one we're waiting on. Cody Collier, at Cody Collier 37, uh, was the person who gave me the topic, which evolved into today's podcast. He brought up that WWE is celebrating the third anniversary of moving to a three-hour Monday Night Raw, and Cody suggested I talk about the pros and cons of that move. Thanks for listening, Cody, and thanks for bringing up that idea. I'm happy to talk about it. And the reason I'm happy to talk about it is because it fits in nicely with a topic of my own that's been rolling around in the old noggin for the last few weeks. And whether or not you know it, you've been thinking about it too. I'm not alone in feeling like NXT has taken a few steps backward these last few weeks. So today on the Neighborhood Podcast, we're going to talk about the potential problems with world wrestling entertainment as a whole and how we can possibly look at Major League Baseball as a way to fix those problems. So, Monday Night Raw has been 180 minutes long for the last 156 weeks or so, if we do the math. And since I can't help but bring some sort of statistics into your weekly neighborhood lives, I did the calculations, and even if we count the commercial time, that's over 28,000 minutes of wrestling action just for Monday Night Raw. I'm not talking about SmackDown, I'm not talking about the events formerly known as pay-per-views, and I'm certainly not talking about the shows that are only watched by Josh Petrie and, like, two other people, main event and superstars. 28,000 minutes of Raw. Now, I wasn't watching WWE back in 2012 when this move was made, but I imagine that most wrestling fans at the time saw it as a purely positive thing. That's an extra hour of wrestling. More superstars will get a chance to perform on the flagship show of WWE. We'll get longer matches. We'll get more intricate and detailed stories. This is a total win. Now, again, correct me if I'm wrong, maybe you didn't think that three years ago, but I assume that's what a lot of people would have thought, and that's probably what I would have thought had I been watching. But now that hindsight is here, we can look back three years ago, I think we all have a very different opinion. The extra hour means that there are 60 more minutes to fill. And when I say filling time, we all know that I really mean killing time, don't I? Extended promos that usually start the show, that involve the same people saying the same things over and over again. Squeezing in minimally flushed out stories just to get certain people on TV. Recaps of the opening promo. Recaps of the 9 o'clock match. Recaps, for example, of a giant brawl that literally just ended 45 seconds ago. Recaps. Recaps. 
recaps. And don't even get me started on the guest stars or guest hosts. I think it's safe to say that I think the move to three hours has overall been a negative thing for WWE, and I'm pretty sure the vast majority of you feel the same way. The biggest problem is that all of those positives people must have been thinking three years ago, which, of course, didn't happen, were totally possible. With a three-hour show, you could have 20-plus minute matches featuring new waves of talent. One of the reasons I know this is we've been seeing it over the last few weeks with this U.S. title picture. Cesaro and Rusev and Owens and Cena, they've been doing what could have been done for the last three years. If you stopped showing recaps for 30 to 60 minutes every night, you could have told a deeper Miz and Miz Dow storyline that wouldn't have just fizzled out at the end. Same with the Rhodes brothers. You could have had an actual King of the Ring tournament. You could have focused on the tag team title scene, or the intercontinental title scene, or the women's title scene, and so on, and so on. You get my point. What made the Attitude Era great? Depending on who you ask, not Jason Moltoff, but most other people, think the Attitude Era is the Attitude Era, excuse me. Oh, by the way, I'm going to try to do this in one shot without editing. I might try to go live one day, and I can't keep editing everything out. So if I mess up, make some flubs or something, you'll have to forgive me. I'm pretty sure I won't do anything that gets me wiped from the NAI Hall of Fame, so I'm pretty confident. What made the Attitude Era great was not solely the, air quotes, adult content. And it certainly wasn't just Stone Cold Steve Austin. It's what Liam Stryker has been talking and writing about for months now. Commitment. WWF was committed to its stars and gave them a chance to get over. We saw it with the Nation of Domination. We saw it with The Rock. I'm not going to argue whether or not he was the guy or the guy fighting the guy, but he had every opportunity to succeed. And guess what? He did. We don't see this in today's WWE despite the extra time that you have to do it. So, on the whole, I think it's a good idea to move Monday Night Raw back to two hours. This would force them to think about who they wanted to focus on for those 120 minutes, and maybe, just maybe, even create engaging storylines with those talents. A pipe dream, I'm sure. Um, but DC, I can hear you saying... What does that mean for the lower tier of wrestlers? Are they just going to release 10 or 15 people? When do certain guys get their shot if there's not enough time on Raw? I'm glad you asked, Citizen, and I'll talk about that answer to that question, and more, after these random ramblings. Warning. DC's Random Ramblings is the segment of the Neighborhood Podcast where our chief of staff goes off the rails and talks about subjects not necessarily pertaining to professional wrestling. Please bear with us, or just fast-forward at your leisure. Thank you. I saw Ant-Man on Friday. Relax, friends, this is going to be hashtag spoiler-free. And while it was a solid movie with great fight scenes, it was not really on the same level of a typical Marvel movie. Quite frankly, I was bored for the majority of the first half. I'm all for exposition, and I get why we need to understand Scott Lang and Henry Pym's motivations for doing the things they do. But this is the first Marvel cinematic release since the Age of Ultron, and to me, 
and to the vast majority of the people I saw the movie with, it definitely felt like we were taking a step or two backwards. I'm not saying I didn't like the movie. I did. And I'm excited to see where the characters go in the grand scheme of the Marvel Universe. But this is a problem, a very minor problem. When we're talking about Marvel movies, these are very minor quibbles. But this is a minor problem going forward. Introducing these new characters is all well and good, but people are now expecting to see the Avengers or Guardians of the Galaxy or, quite frankly, even X-Men when they go to see a superhero movie. It's going to take some serious adjustments to get the casual fans. I'm not talking about the comic diehards. I'm talking about casual fans to get back into these introduction films. We've got Doctor Strange, Black Panther, Captain Marvel, The Inhumans, and I'm probably forgetting some. We have to tell their stories, and I get that, but that's not what people expect anymore. Maybe DC Comics has the right idea. They didn't do a Wonder Woman intro movie. They didn't do a Batman intro movie, because for the love of God, we don't need another Batman origin story. They're just going right into the building and the creation of the Justice League. This movie, Batman v Superman, which is coming out next year, is going to be their first Avengers, and people are really excited about it. Well, that's not true. I know one person who isn't excited about it, and his name is Doc Manson, but Doc Manson isn't always excited about anything. Speaking of Doc Manson, I have a brief, minor, little NAI announcement. It is entirely possible that next week's Neighborhood Podcast, number eight, is going to feature the reunion of the number two contenders. I'm going to be seeing Doc Manson this coming week. I'm going to drag his doctoral booty into the studio because I want to talk to him about pro wrestling. And I don't care if he says he isn't watching it. I know you are watching it, Doc Manson, and we're going to talk about it. The band is getting back together. All right. The ramblings are over. Let's get back to our regularly scheduled podcast. Before I fell down or back down the wrestling rabbit hole, I was a pretty big baseball fan. And as someone who's not a really big fan of major cities, my favorite thing to do was to go to minor league baseball games. If you're not a fan of minor league baseball, you should be. It's a whole lot of fun. You get to see the future of the sport developing right alongside veterans. Some guys are rehabbing from injury. Sometimes you have lower tier guys, your quotes, quad A guys, who are trying to work on a specific aspect of their game before hopefully getting called back up to the show. In many ways, I think minor league baseball is probably harder for a manager than major league baseball. You never know when your top talent's going to be called up. You have to make the best of who you have on the field. You have to fix the problems. You have to hide the weaknesses. And minor league baseball seems to me to be very cyclical. You can have a raging, successful team one minute and be rebuilding the very next minute. Why am I talking about this? Well, doesn't it sound like a Wednesday night WWE Network promotion that you know? The general consensus among the neighborhood people I've been speaking to is that NXT is an, a bit of a slump. Kevin Owens is gone. Pretty much the women are gone. Sami Zayn's hurt. Hideo Itami's hurt. Tyler Breeze is a security guard. And Uha Nation is, well, wherever Uha Nation is. Besides Finn Balor and maybe Samoa Joe, 
the top developmental talent is all but gone in NXT. And I've been saying this numerous times on this very podcast, there's a lot of work to be done before that next wave of new guys are ready for the big time. Just like minor league baseball, this is part of the cycle. Unlike baseball, though, NXT is lacking those major league veterans who are working on things. Which is odd, because the last time they really tried it, I'm not talking about when Adam Rose came back for a week or two. I'm not talking about when Curtis Axel came back for a week or two. I'm talking about Tyson Kidd. When Tyson Kidd was in NXT, it worked wonders. Tyson Kidd was an afterthought. He was on TV maybe once a month. He lost just about every time. And then he goes to NXT for the year. And in 2015, before his injury, he was a tag team champion. And he and Cesaro were a cornerstone of that division. And that was thanks to the time he spent creating his gimmick in NXT. Without the fact, without the cat thing, Tyson Kidd would have never gotten another chance on the main roster, which would have meant Kadaro never would have happened. Maybe we're seeing it again with Zack Ryder and the hype bros, but I promised you, neighborhood, that this podcast was going to be relatively positive, and I can't guarantee being positive when talking about Mojo Raleigh. So my question is, why don't we see, if Tyson Kidd was such a success story, why don't we see that happening again with these lower-tier WWE superstars? The guys who, if, from our earlier discussion, Raw went to two hours, you wouldn't see them again. What does main event and superstars give you that NXT does not besides filling time? And I'm not willing to fill time. Just like Tyson Kidd, let's look at the facts. Fact. NXT is missing a top level of talent. Like I said, Finn Balor, Samoa Joe, that's it. Baron Corbin's nowhere near ready. I'm beginning to give up that WWE is ever going to give Tyler Breeze a chance. Everybody else is either injured or still developing. Don't get me started on Bull Dempsey. It's Balor, Joe, and a couple of tag teams. Fact. You have a long list of talents. To name some, Jack Swagger, Adam Rose, Fandango, Wade Barrett, Damian Sandow, Curtis Axel, who need time to work on new characters, new angles, new gimmicks to help them succeed on the main roster. I can totally see a storyline. I'm going off on a little tangent here. I can totally see a storyline where Curtis Axel and Damian Sandow come to the ring on Monday Night Raw. No Macho Man gimmick. No... Hulk Hogan gimmick. I even forgot his name there for a second. That's how far he's fallen. Damian Sandow and Curtis Axel get in the ring. They talk about fallen heroes. They don't say any specific names, but they talk about fallen heroes, and they talk about if they're going to succeed, they need to emulate the successful guys. And the very next time we see them, or even that time, Curtis Axel's wearing jean shorts, and he's Curtis Cena, and we have Damian Orton or Damian Reigns, and that's the storyline for a couple of weeks. They're imitating the heroes, which all focuses our attention on John Cena, who, as Jason talked about on the podcast, and I, because I wasn't able to listen live, wrote about, not realizing Jason talked about it, 
John Cena's winning a 16th title. I believe it's happening at SummerSlam. Maybe it'll happen by the end of the year. But he's going to be, mark my words, by this time next year, this is a neighborhood promise, by this time next year, friends, John Cena will, within, beyond a shadow of a doubt, be the greatest WWE superstar of all time. You heard it here. Well, probably not first, but you heard it here 45th, which is good enough for me. Where was I? Ah, yes. NXT's missing top-level stars. You have a bunch of guys on the WWE roster who are going nowhere. This seems to be a match made in heaven. Well, you might not agree. You might come up with some problems. And the first one that I think you would come up with is time. It's all about time, isn't it? NXT is a 60-minute show. They already have problems trying to get all of the NXT talents showcased on a 60-minute show. If you add WWE talents, if Jack Swagger comes down... If Wade Barrett comes down, if Bo Dallas comes down, not that I think Bo Dallas will, he's a Wyatt family member, here's another prediction. But if you bring these guys down to NXT, isn't that just going to make the problems worse? And my answer to that would be yes, if it stays a 60-minute show. But we had a little thought experiment where we imagined what would happen if Raw was dropped to two hours. So who's to say we can't continue that thought experiment and expand NXT. What if, just like Raw and SmackDown, you gave the developmental territory or promotion, you gave them two hours a week to develop characters, to build storylines, and to increase the length of matches? If this is the way of the future, which we all sincerely hope it would be, it needs to start from the bottom and work its way up. Developmental territory should not just be for talents. The writers, the promoters, the bookers, the creative team in general needs to be be developing. Excuse me. Needs to be developing. If I were WWE, I'd be finding really great young writers, send them down to Full Sail with some experts who trains them on how to write quality, that's the operant word, quality wrestling television. And just like Tyler Breeze may someday probably not come up to the main roster, and just like Bull Dempsey might someday probably not come up to the main roster, you could have these writers come up to the main roster. I'm getting off on another little tangent. So, we're in a thought experiment. We've expanded NXT to two hours. Monday Night Raw is two hours. We send some people down. What could be done? Let's have some fun. I'm imagining an inverse invasion. NXT's not coming up to WWE. WWE's going down. Imagine this. Jack Swagger, Adam Rose, Fandango, Curtis Axel, and Damian Sandow showing up at Full Sail University, bemoaning the lack of opportunity on the Major League roster and demanding to be taken seriously because all five of those guys, to various degrees, are jokes. I love the idea of Fandango coming to the ring, dropping the gimmick, and just being Johnny Curtis. I think he and Adam Rose should have done that a long time ago. So they do it in NXT. These five guys come down, and they invade, in quotation marks, NXT. So now Finn Balor, the NXT champion, needs to take up the mantle of NXT and form his own team, his own group, his own, let's call it a club. A Balor Club, maybe, to defend the honor of Full Sail University. Finn Balor, Baron Corbin, 
Enzo and Cass and Samoa Joe versus Jack Swagger, Adam Rose, Johnny Curtis, Curtis Axel, and Damian Sandow. Right there, right then. I don't know if you heard it. I just banged on the table. Right there and then, you've just got one to two months, maybe even more, of a quality storyline right there. You could do a Survivor Series match. There could be singles matches. You could have Enzo and Cass versus Adam Rose and Johnny Curtis in tag team bouts. You've got all sorts of stuff you can do with that. Here's another one. King Barrett, who is doing nothing in WWE, comes down to NXT. He's seen these young guys. They don't show any respect. He's the king. He's going to come down to impose order on NXT. Maybe William Regal opposes him. That would be fine. But maybe, I'm watching these WCW pay-per-views, William Regal is one of the best heels in the world. Let's turn William Regal heel. He's now helping King Barrett, and he starts feeding him lower stars to dominate. He beats Angelo Dawkins. He beats Sawyer Fulton. He beats Sylvester LaFort. He beats Marcus Luis, the Phantom of Full Sail. And then he feeds him his resident annoyance, Bull Dempsey. It's supposed to be another squash match, but as you can tell, because I'm the one doing this armchair booking here, Dempsey beats him. So now you have King Barrett fighting with Bull Dempsey. Hopefully it's going to elevate Dempsey. If you book it right, it's going to elevate Barrett. Now you're helping two characters. The possibilities are endless, which means I want to hear from you. This isn't your homework assignment, but just for something fun, extra credit, let's say. Bonus question, let's say. How would you book a two-hour NXT where you take the lower tier of talents, you could do the Ascension if you wanted, you could do Sandow, Axel, the Matadors, even though they're probably going to be in the tag team title picture come SummerSlam. You pick your talent that you're not happy with their booking. Send them down to NXT. How would you use that time and talent? Be heard, neighborhood. All right. It is time for this week in history. Today is Sunday, July 26th, for the first time in the Neighborhood Podcast history. I am recording on the day this will be released, and it is a particularly special day. There is a special birthday to talk about. I'm not talking about former world champion Tommy Rich, who turns 59 today. And I'm not talking about the overall second pick over there in NAI Draft Day. I'm not talking about Roderick Strong, who, conveniently enough, like me, 32 years old. I am talking about the New Age Insider Superfan. I'm talking about fellow member of the NAI Draft Tribunal, and I am talking about one of the best people that I've met in my year on Twitter, Adam, at AJamesK20, celebrating his birthday today. Now, I've known Adam for, I think, almost the entirety of my time on Twitter, and he has always been a passionate and intelligent wrestling fan, one that goes out of his way to help fellow members of the neighborhood. Now, on Twitter, you don't know how old your friends are. So I had pegged him as being younger than me, but not by much. I had figured he was going to be in his late 20s. He's talking about working all the time. He's doing this and that. He's just a mature guy. And I fell out of my chief of staff chair when I learned a few weeks ago that Adam, at that time, was only 19. 19! How in the world did I wind up 
pairing up with two members of the tribunal who neither of them are legally able to procure alcohol. What is happening with my life? Seriously, though. The happiest of birthday wishes to my dear friend Adam, who will be ending his celebration fairly early because he's 20 now. He's an old man, and he needs his sleep. So, neighborhood, another extra credit. Take a moment out of your busy day. Go find Adam on Twitter. Again, he's at AJamesK20. Give him a follow and wish him a happy and healthy 20th birthday. And do me a favor. While you're at it, tell him to get off my lawn. All right, back to the birthdays. Monday, July 27th, heap and help of birthdays. Nick Jackson, who is one of the... um, He's the one with the hair and the super kick... I can't tell the Young Bucks apart. One of the Young Bucks. He's 26. Nick Jackson. Dolph Ziggler is 35. Shannon Moore, the former Prince of Punk and Mattitude follower, is 36. Tomorrow, Triple H will turn 46. So go ahead and wish a happy birthday to COO Triple H. Former wrestler, the Raging Bull, Manny Fernandez, is 61. He's passed away, but Matt Bourne, who was formerly Big Josh and the original Doink the Clown, was born in 1957. And on this date in 2000, Monday, July 27th, 2000, one of the greatest voices in pro wrestling history, Gordon Soley, passed away. In 2001, women's wrestler Ronda Singh, best known to WWF fans as Bertha Faye, passed away as well. Tuesday, July 28th, the original Mr. Wrestling, Tim Woods, was born in 1934. Wednesday, July 29th, Scott Steiner, who apparently can't seem to avoid jumping into any scandal he can, is 53. Former manager and Hall of Famer, Captain Lou Albano, was born in 1933. Thursday, July 30th, actor, bodybuilder, governor, and apparently a wrestling personality, Arnold Schwarzenegger, will be 68. Rounding out the month of July, celebrating a birthday on Friday the 31st, will be Lucha Underground and AAA star Tejano, who will be 31. Former ECW and WWF wrestler Kid Cash will be 46. And the leader of the People Power Movement, former general manager of Raw, former professional wrestler, current brother of Road Warrior Animal, did you know that they're related? And the inventor of the RKO, the Diamond Cutter, and the Ace Crusher, all the same move, John, Johnny Ace Laurinaitis, will be 53 on Friday. That brings us to Saturday, August 1st. Former WWE Tag Team Champion with the aforementioned Tyson Kidd, son of the British Bulldog, Harry Smith, is 30 on Saturday. Former WCW jobber Prince Iakea will be 51. And former other WCW jobber, Bunkhouse Buck, will be 65 on Saturday. All right, my friends, we're just about done with this week's Neighborhood Podcast. It's a little longer than I thought it was, but still shorter than some of the others. We've talked about wrestling, we've talked about baseball, we've talked about superheroes. It's been a good day. This is where I would normally give you your homework assignment, but this has been on my mind, um, and I just want your opinion. I tweeted about it, I probably wrote about it, now I'm going to talk about it. This is a tangent on women's wrestling. Let's talk about the positives of women's wrestling. I feel bad for Bailey. She's kind of missed the boat with this injury, and I know she may have stayed around in in NXT rather to continue to develop and maybe win the women's title, and the, which is probably what she's going to do now. But 
hear me out. Had Bailey been healthy, I think she would have been called up with Becky and Charlotte and Sasha, and the perfect place for her would have been as Bailey Bella. And again, hear me out. She comes up, or even better, Nikki and Bree go down to NXT, and they start talking to Bailey. And this is that whole high school, popular kids, nerd girl, popular kids kind of tease the nerd girl. She worships them. They take her under her wing, and they're making fun of her behind her back, which is going to lead to some great storylines down the road when she catches on. But she becomes Bailey Bella, and she takes Alicia Fox's spot. She's their cheerleader. She's their supporter. Almost in the same way, if you're watching Ring of Honor, how uh, the decade B.J. Whitmer and Adam Page are using Colby Carino. I could see that. It's supposed to be Page and Nikki Bella or Charlotte versus Nikki Bella. And at the last minute, Nikki and Brie put Bailey in there to take the punishment instead. So you've got Bailey. She's not a heel. She's still a face. She's passing out headbands. She's hugging people. She just happens to be with the unpopular people. But she's so naive, she doesn't realize it. Do me a favor, another extra credit. I'm giving out extra credit like I'm a teacher near retirement who just wants to be left alone. Tell me why that's a bad idea, Bailey Bella. All right. Now, you've got two homework assignments in addition to all the extra credit that I've given you. First homework assignment, do your last week's homework. Tell me why I should watch Lucha Underground, because I'm not. Ultima Lucha is going to happen very soon. I'm not going to watch. Which brings us to today's homework assignment, and I've got a doozy of a homework assignment for you this week. I'm always seeing people tweeting, hey, give me something good to watch on WWE Network. I love the spirit of that, I do. But people who say that are missing out on a gold mine of entertainment. And what am I speaking of? Well, of course, I'm talking about the bad things on WWE Network, and there's a lot of them, and that's where we're going with this week's homework assignment. Sit down in front of your favorite WWE Network viewing device. Turn on Clash of the Champions from August 1993. Sit down, get a beverage, relax, and get ready to watch the train wreck of awesome that is the debut of Shockmaster. I know a lot of you have probably seen this clip before. You've seen the really funny part, but you've got to watch the whole thing. Let me set the scene for you. 1993. Sting is teaming with the British Bulldog, who was in WCW for a very brief period in the early 90s. And they're feuding with Sid Vicious and Vader, the team known as the Masters of the Powerbomb, which is, quite frankly, the dumbest tag team nickname I've ever heard, and I'm counting the ding-dongs with that. They're leading up to War Games, which if you don't know what War Games is, you really should. I'm, I'm sad that WWF... WWE didn't copy War Games. It's what the Elimination Chamber used to be. War Games, you take two rings, you put a steel cage around both. The two rings are next to each other. You've got two teams of four or five, like Survivor Series, but inside a steel cage. Two men start, and every few minutes, they flip a coin. Well, they only flip the coin once, but they flip a coin, and every couple of minutes, a new superstar enters. And it was usually always the heels would win. So I just watched this from 93, following this Clash of the Champions. Dustin Rhodes, who's injured and is the brave young kid, starts the match against Vader. And then they flip the coin after five minutes, the heels win, and then in comes one of the members of Harlem Heat, a very, very young Harlem Heat, who, if you don't know, is Booker T and his brother Stevie Ray. 
and then they get dominated. Then a, and then a baby face comes in, but then a heel comes in, but then a baby face comes in until you've got eight or ten people fighting in this double cage. That's what War Games is. Something that I thought when Eric Bischoff was GM of Raw in the early 2000s, I thought War Games would have been something cool for WWE. But I'm getting off on another one of my tangents. So, Sting and the Bulldog, Sid Vicious Invader, heading towards War Games. Sting and the Bulldog had announced that they had a mystery partner. They were going to team with Dustin Rhodes, but they had a mystery partner because, as I said, Sid and Vader have Harlem Heat. And on the talk show, think Piper's Pit, but fancier, called Flair for the Gold, hosted, of course, by the Nature Boy, the mystery partner was going to make his debut. Now, even before he comes out, this is tragic poetry in motion. You've got Sid, who, as we all know, isn't much of a talker, especially off the top of his head. And he and Vader are teaming with Harlem Heat, who are very, very young. And they're all ad-libbing. And this is, it's, it's weak at best. And now I was an actor all through high school into college. I'm a thespian. And so I cringed, physically cringed, watching the British Bulldog because at some point he turns his back, his whole back, to the camera to get up in Sid's face. And I'm yelling at the screen, it's called three-quarter position, Davy boy. Use it. You're supposed to have three-quarters of your body facing towards the audience or towards the camera. You're not supposed to turn your back. It totally, well, it didn't ruin the moment. The moment wasn't very good to begin with, but it was poor form on Davy Boy's part. So then Sting announces that his mystery partner is going to shock the world, and it's the Shockmaster. And for those of you who don't know, the Shockmaster is Fred Ottman used to be tugboat and typhoon in WWF one half of the natural disasters and now he's called Shockmaster and he crashes through the wall and you've seen this clip on YouTube or on WWE Network before he literally crashes through the wall he trips on something and falls his helmet this purple glittery stormtrooper helmet rolls off of his head exposing his face we're not supposed to know who it is and he lands on the ground So first of all, a purple glittery Stormtrooper helmet is not a good idea by any stretch of the imagination, especially when you combine it with a black vest that looks like the Barbarian should have worn it or it should have come from the Dungeon of Doom or something. It's a look, it looks like when you go to the Goodwill at the last minute to get a Halloween costume and you just grab whatever you can find. That's what the Shockmaster looked like. Now, to Fred Ottman's credit, he recovers. He doesn't, you know, run around. He doesn't scream or anything. He grabs his helmet. He puts it back on his head. And he proceeds to gesture and point very menacingly. The problem is the audio. Now, at this point, Fred Ottman's not supposed to do his own voice. The voice is supposed to be piped in through the speakers. And it's supposed to be Ole Anderson, who had that gravelly, I'll get you, kind of voice. But Ole Anderson hadn't started talking yet. So now the Shockmaster, who's already fallen, is now the world's worst mime. So you just have to see the whole thing. Unfortunately, WWE has blocked out the commentary from the wrestlers because Harlem Heat, British Bulldog, even Ric Flair, can't help but make fun of this guy as it's happening. Because they're on live TV and he falls and his helmet comes off and it was embarrassing. So, But unfortunately, WWE won't let you hear that audio. But you've seen this before. You've seen the fall through. You've seen the helmet thing. Trust me. Go back. Watch the entire segment from start to finish. 
you will thank me later. Ladies and gentlemen, that wraps up episode seven of the Neighborhood Podcast. We are pretty much exactly at the 40-minute mark, so really this is an average-length show. I really thought it was going to be shorter, but I guess I had a lot to say. Thank you for tuning in. I uh, hope you've enjoyed your night at work, Brandon. I know you were getting on me to get this out to you so you could listen to it on your overnight, so hope work goes well for you. My name is DC Matthews at DC Matthews NAI. I'm the chief of staff of the New Age Insiders. Find us on Twitter. Go to our website, newageinsiders.com. Take part in Fan Friday. Post as often as you can. And my friends, I will see you around the neighborhood. <laughs>